element. We talk about how that gets built through transactions, right? So trust right. isn't about the transaction, but the transactions build trust. Stand by. I'll be right there. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 360. Today is Sunday, the 16th of February, 2020. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. And let me start by saying how very grateful I am for choosing to take the time out of your busy day to listen to this episode. This week's interview is with Teresa Caragol, Teresa's CEO of Achieve Unite, providing leadership training programs that change lives. In this conversation with Teresa, we discuss her journey to become an influential woman in tech, her ACE leadership program, how to hold compelling conversations, to build trust, and some of the keys to building a successful channel partner. Teresa Caragol, great to have you on the show. Uh, you and I are linked by uh, numerous topics, uh, and, and today you are the CEO and founder of Achieve Unite, and you do two things. One is everything around channel, and the second is, as I understand it, leadership. How about in your own words, correct me or tell me what you're up to, Teresa? Um. Thank you. And thanks for having me, Minter. And you hit it perfectly. We have two sides of our business and we work with clients and partners on helping their, their channel partnerships alliances and really perfecting their model for growth and revenue acceleration. And then the second part of our business is in education. And we have both leadership offerings because I, I feel it is a very, very important topic right now. Authentic leadership uh, as well as channel development, and they sort of feed each other. So I want to get into that. But first, let's go through how you got there, because you are one of those women in tech, and, and there really aren't that many. And, and how, how do you describe your journey uh, to, to get to where you got to? You know, I was 22 years old and given an opportunity in the technology industry uh, very early in my career because they were, they were deliberately, this is going back 20 something years, they were looking to hire some diversity and you're right, there weren't very many. Um, but I was given an opportunity by a great boss and at 22 years old, I joined the technology industry and I've never looked back. It was the best thing I ever did. Uh, but for many, many years, I was, you know, as I moved up the ranks, I was usually one of the few women in the room, uh, especially at the executive ranks. And, you know, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I really wanted to take that on as more of a mission. Some amazing women have helped me over the years. And so we started a, a leadership council. It's called the Baptist Women's Leadership Council. I think the first year there was seven women in the room and this past year there was 150 and even more importantly, there were nine executives on the advisory board helping to create an amazing experience for the women. Uh, and this year I think we'll have 20 executives that are creating that experience for the women. So that's yes. how far we've come in just 10 years. So let's say leadership is a, a large topic and, mm -hmm. and uh, there's leadership in tech, there's women leaders. And I'm wondering 
how those cross over and, and where is it hardest for women to make it as an executive leader in a tech industry? Well, you know, so first of all, I think you and I are very philosophically aligned around leadership. And when we talk about leadership, we talk about, you know, the EQ and the IQ, right? Mm -hmm. And that when I think about the best leaders, regardless of gender, you know, they are, they have both of those strong, right, mm -hmm. in their domains. And so that philosophically is how we fundamentally operate as a company. It's how our ACE leadership, authentic leadership program is built. And, you know, and so, so I start there. And then as far as, you know, the barriers that women and, and for that matter, you know, minorities, the barriers we all face is in breaking down, you know, assumptions that other people make and getting into those conversations and getting past some of these things. And, you know, I, I have always believed that as long as you're having the conversation, even if it's a difficult one, you're in good shape. The minute you stop having those conversations and people are doing other things and in the back rooms, that's when we have problems. As soon as we start talking about these types of issues, we're always, at least I'm always at risk of making generalizations. It's been my observation that there are, let's say, women who feel the need to espouse a, a more masculine approach, let's say, recognize, follow the patterns and, and language and behaviors that they've observed, and then you know, fit in. And then there are those who feel that there's another way forward. How, in, uh, you think that's correct? And, and what can you do to make that happen better? Well, you know, one of, I, I think about since we started the ACE leadership program, we've had 75 women go through it. And what is so inspiring to me is they leave way more confident and empowered and you know it and it, and it results from going deep in yourself right that's mm. where that confidence stems from and what's neat is i've had the pleasure of helping several of them navigate promotions and big senior leader jobs that they weren't even going for prior to going through this program and you know i think that is having mentors and other men and women who can really help you navigate the landscape when you're new to it, right? I mm -hmm. that is so, so critical to how we raise more and more women up across tech, but across, you know, multiple industries, right? Sure. And, and, you know, I, the other thing is, and I, and I often bring this up in uh, forums where we're having this topic with men and women is this is also an economic issue, right? And think about the United States of America. The United States of America cannot remain competitive unless both the men and women are successful in the workplace, right? From it's a sheer numbers game. So things like that are also really important because people don't think of it that way. Hmm. The word that I pick out of what you said is confidence. It's, it's hard to imbue confidence in someone. I mean, I feel like some people come with it and some people don't. And when you're going into a situation, even if you're confident, where let's, you know, to use the analogy, you're walking into the men's locker room, it can feel a very daunting place. And as confident as you may be, uh, and I, I had a long conversation with a, a French headhunter 
who has, because they have a quota on 40% of board composition having to be women, mm-hmm. they, so he, he is, and his team, by the way, only women, they are, they're focusing on, on this particular zone. And, and he and I were chatting about how several of the women he's positioned on boards are now smoking cigars. <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting because there, it's, it's interesting you say that. I, I have a dear friend, Cheryl, who actually helped to build the, the ACE program. And Cheryl Shapiro is a leadership coach and a facilitator. And, and she often says, you know, how in the corporate world over the next five years do we help women lead from their strengths and not feel like we have to convert ourselves into, you know, smoking, yeah, cigars. you know, whatever that is, right? It's, it's an analogy, of course. Yeah, or being in the locker room or swearing, whatever, whatever that that other image is. And I, I think that's another part of this dimension uh, that we need to keep helping. And and then not only that, but the second part of that is how do women help women? Because that there has been, mm. I remember a, a mentor who is in London, Karen Flatford, and Karen said, you know, I, can't, I, I see it and I don't know why don't women help women. But that's changing. And it, it takes people like Karen, hopefully people like me, where we really are helping and demonstrating that, you know, the proof's in the pudding, right? And the more you lift up, the more good things happen in the universe. And so I think that's the second part of this that's equally as important. And I think as you're talking about it, it's, it's this notion of, of allowing for us to be who we are. And as, let's say, the strengths, what are those strengths and, 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 and giving them value, of course, not just to the women, but the people on the other side of the table who are, let's say, welcoming it or not, uh, the women into the into you the know, it's so interesting because the, I was Rod Bapti, we were having a conversation and you know how important it is, you know, if you're going to come to a women's leadership council, you're not a victim, right? This is an empower, it is about empowerment and it's also about bringing men and into the conversation. This isn't a women only because I don't think that works. I, I really don't. You know, if, if we, if we preach and believe inclusion, then we have to live that. And, and so I think doesn't mean that women don't need to have forums in order to really understand, grow, build, develop one another, but we also have to include men into the conversation. Something that really struck out, stuck out to me, Teresa, when I was reading up about you, you have this one sentence which goes, well, that's why our team focuses on leading compelling conversations in the pursuit of dynamic results. So I was wondering, uh, is that part of your educational program? And how does one go about, I mean, I'd love to be part of compelling conversations. <laughs> well, it is absolutely, it's part of actually several, it's part of all of our education programs. We do a flipped classroom approach. And so everything, you know, we, we subscribe to the adult learning philosophies of adults learn from interaction, experiential learning, problem solving. And so that's what we do in all of our programs. And, you know, in, in the ACE leadership program, ACE stands for Authentic Leadership Collaboration Empowerment Leadership by Influence. And that program specifically has, I mean, there are some incredibly powerful conversations that happen, you know, getting your voice heard, negotiations, difficult conversations, how do you navigate those? 
what, how do you lead from your strengths? What's your brand? You know, there's just some very, very incredible, uh, meaningful conversations that have happened that I think are what uh, they spawn those individuals and those individuals who really put in that work during those programs have gone out then and had a whole nother experience in the workplace, which is what is so inspiring to me. It sounds less about education or at least, you know, as in teaching and more about self-education. You know, that's a great point. I, I, cause it is a lot about self in the program. I agree with you. Hmm. You were featured in uh, a book, which I haven't read, but it's called how to be a woman in technology written by Cheryl O'Donohue. And in it, you, you're, they're obviously focusing on authenticity and, and so on. But one of the things that's, struck out stuck out again was you talk about what matters most and being and focusing on what matters most how does one know what matters most Teresa so I first of all that book is wonderful Cheryl is a wonderful person she's in she's actually working on a book right now on emotional intelligence uh, in the workplace and uh, I think we'll be doing her, I'll be doing her forward for that. And well, I'll be sure to put that in the show notes, of course. And then the second part is the what matters most. If you know Simon Sinek and what is your why, you know, I really, whenever I do a teach a class or we, we open often with what is your why, you know, my why happens to be my family. It's a, it is about empowering women, you know, but what is everybody's why? And the more we understand about each other's why, the more we help support, empower, and lift each other up. So I just, yeah, I think, I think knowing our whys is really, really important. Being wise. Um, so I, of course, subscribe. And it brings up one of the thornier questions, which I'm raising in my new book, which is, well, if you're your why, Teresa, is about family, then what are you doing at work? <laughs> My why is about family and women empowerment. And I have two young men who I want to grow up. And, you know, they, they both of my boys are very hard workers. I, I watched AJ be sick for one day and he said, Mom, I have to get back to school. I have nice. a lot to learn and to keep up with. And it made me so proud because mm. they're both really focused on their intellect and their academics, as well as their sports and, you know, becoming really great, well-rounded people. That's a great tribute. I guess what I was trying to get at was this notion of a personal value or a personal why mm -hmm. when we are going, putting on a tie, mm -hmm. metaphorically speaking, going to work and uh, teaching about channels. You know, I agree with you, Mentor, because I mean, my achieve, our company is about making a difference in individuals' lives and companies and helping them accelerate their success. And that invigorates the heck out of me every morning when I get hmm. up. And it is a way bigger purpose than just, oh, okay, we're just here to you know, do consulting engagements, right? Hmm. We are here to really empower the clients and people we work with to greatness in their own company. And hopefully they go on to do great things other places. So yeah, you're right. That is that is a bigger, in some ways, that's a bigger part of my why too. Good, very good point. Well, it, it I would say necessarily behooves us if we're trying to be authentic to tap into, let's say, the deeper conversations that you were mentioning before, 
that reflect who we are naked, you know, at least behind the, the uniform. And, uh, and our ability to do that in a workplace mm-hmm. seems to be right now difficult mm-hmm. or contaminated by a historical context, typically masculine environment that doesn't want to t- go there because it's messy and it's emotional. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, hell anyways, the only thing that matters is the profits at the end of the month. Yeah. Don't right. give me this other stuff. Yes. And I do not, you know, I, I don't want to be that. That's one of the reasons I wanted to start a company that is based on the values of, you know, long-term success. And it's also a reason I don't go get outside funding and, you know, we nice. build this ourselves uh, and it's been really successful so far. So I'm very proud. So, you know, when I was looking up Achieve Unite, I saw channel and I saw leadership yeah. and, and I was wondering, What's the narrative that connects the dots? You know, it's interesting. I Because if you think about partnerships and alliances and doing business outside of your own company, it's all about influence, right? It's not about authority. And partnerships, channels, all of once you get beyond strategy and you get into execution, you've got to be able to lead by influence. We call it a natural influencer, right? You have to have those skills in order to be successful with those partnerships, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of the types of companies, you know, you two are come together. It is all about influence. And so if you then believe that, and that's one of the core domains of channels and partnerships and alliances, then influence is about leadership. And so they sort of fit, maybe not intuitively, perfectly well together but as you drill under they they fit perfectly together hmm. well of course I, I i love that i i was part of a program developed by a genius businessman daniel Priestley, called key persons of influence Ooh. and the idea was how can you be the key person of influence in your space whatever that space is and so you know this notion of being a leader uh, being influential uh, within your space. So that can take you into content marketing. It can take you into brand, your personal brand, as well as, you know, how do you influence a, a room full of people and, you know, the techniques you have within that. In your, the last part of the area I wanted to talk about was um, with regard to channel, because obviously I've, I have many years of experience in business and, yeah. and in the old days, uh, the interesting part to this is that L'Oreal, for whom I worked for 16 years, yeah. was essentially constructed around channel. That's to say that they were divided into four divisions. Each division was historically so done around a distribution channel. So that meant mass market, luxury department store, mm-hmm. pharmacy, and hairdresser. Yeah. So those four channels existed. Right. Right. Uh, I feel like it's definitely less, a, less clear, the distinction between those four channels today. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if, if, you, if you're talking to no matter what industry, how would you describe the challenge of choosing the right channel today? And, and obviously we've got internet around us that so many things are being disrupted how do you how would you describe the the issues around channel today you know uh, right now we've just finished well not just we did it about a year ago research with the university of glasgow and we basically proved 
six ingredients that create what's called partner lifetime value, and it's called ACTIVE is the, the acronym. But what we found is in this study is that partner lifetime value is a predictor of companies' grow, overall growth, their success with channels and partnerships, and their profitability. And so in this study, we found that when these companies subscribe to these different aspects, uh, by the way, there's a whole collaboration is one of the, is the C, you know, there is really bringing value to an industry or a company. So it's much more than just a product and a transaction. Mm -hmm. And what, what we found is the companies that do and subscribe to partner lifetime value are actually much more successful, more profitable, and more successful than partnerships and channels. So what I think is happening right now is the, the notion of the transactions is getting harder and harder unless it's completely automated, right, on the marketplaces and, you know, what you're going to buy in very kind of simple things. But in complex solutions, it isn't about a marketplace. It's about something very different. One of the things that I... I, I wrote about is this notion of partnership and uh, we, we tend to like to use the word now oh, we've got to get into a win-win agreement here. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, that, I think that's just a bunch of baloney for the most part, unfortunately. How do you go about uh, finding what you call the partner lifetime value or uh, how do you go about constructing a choice with a team or partner or distributor uh, alliance and and create that type of lifetime value. Well, it you know so whether you call it win win, it is absolutely about aligning interests, right? At the start of relationships, and uh, I'll give you two examples. We actually have a it's called CAB, our Channel Acceleration Bootcamp, and it it's called a pre engagement framework, and it's six weeks of a bootcamp that take you through all of the dimensions in order to build successful channels and partnerships before you ever get to going to engage the partner, right? Because you have to be very clear on your own interests, the expectations, what you need for success before you go down and before you go and sit down at the table so that you can then align interests. And so I, I think that in, you have to know the partners you want and understand their interests up front before you go sit down to do that. So there, there's a big part of that in CAB. And then the second thing that we absolutely 100% subscribe to is if you're going to do business with partners in, in any way, shape, or form, there is a plan. Now, in the old days of the tech industry, they were 18-tab business plans and crazy complexity, right? But we don't subscribe to that. We subscribe to one-page business plans. We have a whole methodology of how we do that and really, really simple that guide those partnerships. And then they're used on an ongoing basis and they're referred to and they're intimately, you know, they're, they're a real friendly way to continue to build the partnership from. I, I, I like to say that if you want to have a partner, you have to think of your distributor as a client. Yeah. Yeah. Which is contrary to what most people do because basically you're supposed to be the client to the distributor. And and the the number of relationships between distributor and supplier seems fraught with antagonism. 
And, and the issue at heart, as far as I was concerned, was an, an element of trust. Right. Exactly right. Trust I, is the foundation. You know, trust, we, I always say, uh, trust is gained in drops and lost in buckets. <laughs> and trust is the number one ingredient of successful partnerships. It is, the, it is what, you know, both individual and institutional interorganizational trust are what partnerships are successful ones are built on. And so, yeah, I think, I think trust is a critical element uh, and how that gets built, you know, that gets, we talk about how that gets built through transactions, right? So trust right. isn't about the transaction, but the transactions build trust. Bob O'Malley always tells me that. And I love that. It's very, very true. Well, it certainly, I think, comes through the actions in the trends. <laughs> yeah, I like that, actually. That's a good one. So um, the, this notion of trust, the area I wanted to get into is, and I touched on it a little bit before, is, I, I fundamentally believe that deep trust has to be personal, not professional. Yeah. So where that goes is not just compelling conversations, but an ability to talk about even differences of political opinion. Right. So right. is it possible for my channel distributor and I to deeply trust one another if we're on either side of the political spectrum Behind well, us. You know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that because I, I think you can, I mean, I guess me, you can, I may not agree with someone's politics, but I have a very deep level of trust with them. And so, and, and maybe that there's an agreement that we, that's a topic we decide there's a moment we're going to talk about it and then we're going to let it go. You know, so, but there's a professionalism in that we're agreeing or disagreeing on an issue, not on a person, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that, so I do think that trust, intimate, real, authentic trust can be built if that understanding is in play. If it's not, then we have another challenge. And, I, and right. then I would absolutely agree with what you said. Right. And I, and I love the fact you disagree, by the way, Teresa. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's... Well, so, so. You and I are both the, that kind of people and we can do it in a in a constructive way, right? That's it. But in order for us, let's say you believe A and I believe Z, the other Correct. end of the spectrum, we, we kind of need to know about it. Yeah, right? I you know, agree. Because if That's it's exactly the right. white, white pink elephant in the room, yes. uh, well, you know, oh, she's like that and he's like yep. this. Yeah. And so then we, we, we get it on the table and there are, all right, well, I, we're obviously, well, that's it. I didn't, I didn't imagine you thought that way, right. but you know, gosh, well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that topic and we'll park it. But there's always somehow an underlying, you know, cynicism within our, our human belief system, which says that, well, if she thinks a, well, she's wrong. Right. And I'm going to go into the room as professional as I might be. And it might be that we have a contract that I need to sign right now. And I'm pragmatic. We do it because let's just say we're pragmatic people. But underneath that, there's the trust. Yeah. And, and when we talked about family and, and other personal issues that get into authenticity, mm -hmm. I feel like we, we, we do need to be able to broach bigger topics than just, you know, well, my value is perfection. Yeah, mine is yes. too. Yes. And, and I, the, the key in what I heard you say of bigger topics, 
you know, those are the ones that build the trust, right? Those are mm -hmm. the ones, those intimate things that are personal for us. You know, I, I'm sure you've probably done some of your podcasts around vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. And how vulnerability builds trust. Brene Brown. I do. She's, uh, she's great. Indeed. Yeah. Well, this is, these are some wonderful topics. Uh, it's been great, Teresa, to have this, hopefully, what I would consider compelling conversations uh, with you uh, and oh, sharing it. a lot it. of fun. I really loved this. Thank you, Mentor. Great. So, Teresa, tell us how uh, someone can, can track you down, follow you, what you're up to, uh, and or connect with you, however you wish. Well, you can reach out via our website, AchieveUnite.com. You can link in with me, Teresa Caragol, C-A-R-A-G-O-L. Or you can email me at T-H-E-R-E-S-A at AchieveUnite.com. And I would love to have a conversation. Brilliant. Teresa, thanks for coming on the show. Enjoy. Continue on your merry mission of uh, leading women in tech and elsewhere, of course. And, of course, uh, setting up great channels. Thanks a lot, Teresa. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Mentor. And it's been a pleasure to get to know you through this. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls-Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.